You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell, and we are brought to you by Johnny T. Shirt. regularly scheduled episode of the coast to coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. you know what we're about insight analysis uh giving you the fact from rumor around the north carolina basketball program recruiting player development you name it that's what you're here for and the two guys that you have come to hear the reason you hit subscribe the reason you hit play on your podcast platform of choice cheryl mcmillan sean moran real how are you I'm good, man. Ready to discuss and get ready for Peach Jam next week. Yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on. Sean, how you living? I'm doing well. Uh, wishing I was Sherelle and, and going to Peach Jam this week. Man got off the road for one week and now he's already ready to be back in a ready to be back in a Hampton Inn somewhere. But either way, I <laughs> uh, appreciate you guys being here. Look, we did the um, emergency podcast last week upon Gigi Jackson's decommitment from North Carolina, and I am because I am the host and I can do these things, I'm hereby issuing a moratorium on GG Talk moving forward. I've been monitoring the Inside Carolina Premium Message Wars, and I swear to God, we don't need to start any more GG threads, guys. All of the takes have been exhausted. All the insight has been used. There's nothing else. There is no more uh, beatings that that dead horse needs. There's no more meat left on that bone. Let's just move on. And for the sake of this podcast, we're going to move forward. If he's mentioned here, it's just because North Carolina now has a space to fill. And so we want to make sure we talk about that because as we saw last week, uh, Sherelle did a great job of reporting these. North Carolina started offering guys. Once it seemed that we were trending to a place where they were going to have uh, a space in next year's class or the 2023 class, Hubert Davis and his staff started getting to work. They uh, reinitiated contact with Zayden High, uh, made him an offer. They made an offer to TJ Power. Let's start with Zayden High first, guys. Uh, the way I want to set this up, Sherelle, I'm going to let you talk about the commitment a little, or the, the commitment, the offer a little bit. Uh, and then, Sean, I want you to talk a little bit about what that player brings uh, to the class. Now they would be adding with Simeon Wiltshire and what they might actually uh, project and how they might project into UNC's lineup. But uh, first things first, Zayden High, currently ranked 43rd, which he's had some really good bumps uh, in the last uh, recruiting re-rankings that uh, 24-7 has done. 6'9", 225-pound power forward out of Chandler, Arizona. Uh, Sherelle, I remember you mentioning him, I guess it was way back in April sometime, it seems like uh, Hubert Davis and the staff saw him, but now they they reconnected. You did a great write-up on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. Tell us about what that recruitment looks like as we sit here today. Uh, so, yeah, he started off in April extremely hot. This was a, a regional recruit at that point who, um, you know, had offers. He's from Texas originally. He's going to school, in, high school in Arizona for a senior season. Um, but he had, you know, the Oklahoma and the Texas and the Louisiana, kind of all um, those schools had kind of offered. And, and that was where his recruitment was. And then just kind of a couple of blistering performances against um, uh, players who used to be committed to UNC, among others. And I think that caught the attention of not just the country, but also the UNC staff. And so they initiated contact. 
that weekend, Hubert Davis, you know, reached out directly, um, as did Sean May. And basically, a couple of weeks later, North Carolina got a commitment from a player in its 2023 class. And they reached out to High and said, hey, you know, we're, we're full. Uh, we have one other guy that we're looking at. And so we're moving forward. And so no contact between the two, you know, the rest of April, all of May, all of June, until about a week ago when Sean May texted Zayden and was like, hey, you know, we're, we're interested. Um, Coach Davis is going to call you at some point. And that call happened, I believe, uh, this past Tuesday, when uh, Zayden got the offer. And I think a lot of what Hubert Davis had to do was basically explain, you know, why they hadn't talked for a few months, why they were in the situation, and how to move forward, um, and if that would hurt North Carolina. And after talking to Zayden and his dad, it seems like it won't. They do have some work to do to, you know, build a relationship like he's had with other schools, but um, that's kind of where things stand is they're working on kind of getting to know each other again since they started the process in April and then it was cut short. One of the things that we've talked about on this show is, you know, really the recruitment doesn't really take effect until the player shows up on campus. And I think that's, that's just us learning from the way things have gone over the, the recent past. So um, I assume that will be the next step with this staff and Zayden highs to try to establish some time to get him on campus. Yeah. And so just moving forward, every player's, uh, anybody who's a junior or a senior next year, their official visits restart on August 1st. So uh, High has already taken one official visit to Villanova, and then he's taken an unofficial visit to Texas. The Villanova visit doesn't count moving forward. He'll get five more, kind of a fresh new five official visits starting on August 1st. And you would think that, um, I think North Carolina will probably get one if he goes, you know, continues his recruitment on. Um, and then you have to see what happens there after he gets on campus. Sean, you've seen Zayden both in film uh, form, but also some in person. What can you say about his game and, and what jumps out at you, you know, for somebody that may be looking at him for the first time? Well, he, as Sheryl mentioned, he played really well that first week of, of EYBL and, and then came back to earth uh, pretty, pretty quickly in the second one. Last week in Kansas City, heading into the, the Peach Jam, he, he had, a, a, I'd say, a fairly strong, um, not overly dominant, but very, very consistent uh, in terms of his play six, nine. So he, I think he can play the four and the five, uh, probably I, I could see in college being put at the five, just given, given his size and, and strength. But like a lot of guys that we're talking about these days, he, he likes to operate primarily from, from the three point line or, or outside, which makes him ideal for whether it's five out or just spacing, spacing the floor. His percentage in EYBL is is uh, it's nothing to write home about. It's it's below thirty percent, but I think this is probably a case where you sh he has really good form, shoots it pretty effortlessly. So would definitely see this as a strength going forward versus tying yourself to the the current percentage. Uh, he's pretty good at attacking closeouts for pull ups. Uh, he can he can play and bang inside when he when he needs to, and he runs the floor pretty well uh, I think for from a college perspective he doesn't scream one and done uh, which I think is, is is a great thing for whoever's recruiting him uh, just to try to get him in there for you know two three four seasons whatever it may be but he he's a guy that I think is very well suited to a lot of the modern offensive styles now and then defensively he can uh, he can switch he can guard a few positions pretty good shot blocker from off the ball. Uh, he's not an overly explosive athlete, but just given that that size and strength, he's not going to be one getting pushed around 
in the post either, even, even if he is playing that five position. So looking forward to seeing how he does this week. He was very solid last week in Kansas City and definitely makes sense for UNC to kind of jump back in there. But obviously they do have a lot of work to do for the teams that have been uh, a little, little he- more heavily invested in him the past few months. You touched on this a little bit, and I want to try to get you to elaborate some, if you don't mind. You know, when you see a kid that's 6'9", 225 at this age, uh, you know, you start wondering, all right, is this guy, you know, is he going to develop into a banger? Or do you think he is more of the traditional four out four? I think he's, he's most comfortable uh, operating from, from outside the paint. But also just given, given his body right now, he, he's not a guy that is just going to always, always stay out there. And didn't seem like he had, you throw it to him in the post that he has, okay, this is his, his go-to move in right. the post, but he, he, he's, he can crash the board, crash the boards. Um, you know, he, he's not a, it's not like he's a super skinny guy that just doesn't want to want contact. He can, he can take and, and handle, handle contact. So I think he could be an ideal, uh, whether or not he's paired with another big and a high low, or he's the primary big and you, you do want him down there a little bit. Uh, I could easily see him filling, filling in both. I, I think, it's easier probably to get somebody to to play inside a little bit more than it is to get them to de- develop just the, whether it's the ball handling or, or the shooting or just the, the natural awareness outside the arc that, that he does possess already at this, uh, this stage. Awesome. I appreciate that. And I want you to stay here because I want you to compare that to the next player we're looking at. Uh, it was the second uh, is offer that came out last week from the North Carolina staff to TJ power. He's ranked number 53. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not he's the son of Max Power. That is a deep Simpsons cut for those of you Simpsons fans, listeners out there. Uh, 6'9", 210, not as bulky as Zayden High is, but uh, is also more of a a hybrid forward, if you believe uh, some of the write-ups that we've seen. Sean, I want to go to you there. And and again, Power's from Worcester, Mass. Uh, Sean, do you feel like he's more of a a 3-4 type player than maybe Zayden is a is a, a power forward and kind of maybe can you explain the differences and similarities in their games that made both of these guys attractive enough for offers from Hubert Davis's staff? Yeah. Um, luckily I was able to just catch, catch a few of TJ's games in, in person. Didn't really know a lot about him going in beside, I knew he had Virginia UVA. That was kind of the, the level that he had going in. And then <laughs> before, you know, by the end of the weekend, every, every single team, I'd either watched him or, or offered him just based on on some of his explosive performances. To to your question about the positions, I think high just given his size and strength, uh, a lot of teams will put him at a five, being able to play the four uh, versus versus power. I would say almost a four four three, similar to to Tyler Nickel, where he's got the size and I think especially now uh, with his shooting ability would, would play the stretch four. You you wouldn't want to put him as the five, uh, especially in a, in a college offense defense, just the six, nine might be, might be a stretch or the six, eight, whatever, whatever's listed is probably a little stretch from a height wise, as well as, uh, definitely not being as well built as, as high, but he moves, uh, moves a lot better, which I think is why he could operate a little better defensively, uh, the four, three on the perimeter, but also just from a shooting perspective, I mean, this is a guy that was shooting 45% from three is moving moving off the ball, moving like a guard, looking for shots off off screens, uh, handling the ball, looking for pick and roll, step backs, et cetera. So he he definitely has more of the game of a of a guard or a wing than 
and high who would mostly be kind of a, a catch and shoot stretch it maybe attack one to two dribbles off off um off the catch but tj once again from that tournament had a 41 point game a, a 33 point game and he was catching and shooting from well beyond i mean all, pretty much all of his threes were coming from the nba three uh and he was once again off pick and roll step backs very effortless jump shot but he could also attack if you did put a smaller uh say a, you know a six five six four guard on him just to try to keep him off that three-point line he wouldn't be afraid to, to get in the post uh not that he's banging banging all the way down to the basket but you know, shooting a 10 foot, 12 foot fadeaway, just given his size. So he, he was much more, I'd say, well positioned for, for that wing perimeter spot, but given his size, I'd say a natural stretch four, but definitely one of the best shooters in, in the class and, and a guy who, who made his mark uh, in front of a lot of coaches last week. Not going to make a, a direct comparison here, but from what little film I've seen on the kid, he's got a little bit of a floater too which North Carolina fans will distinctly remember was such a nice aspect of Justin Jackson's game. Uh, not saying those two guys are anywhere close to the same talent level, but it is nice, like you said earlier, to be able to see a guy that can move uh, with the ball that well and be able to get those mid-range little floating shots off. And, sure, and just, just Sorry, one, one other quick, sure. quick thing. I mean, he uh, not the most explosive at, at the rim, but he, can, he knows how to use, use his body. He was getting to the line 10-plus times in, in certain games, so he can – he can take and and he can draw draw contact. So he's definitely more than just a perimeter perimeter shooter. Uh, so he he is a guy that once again is not going to kill you in isolation, but can use a pick and roll, get into the paint. So it's very versatile offensively. Awesome. Thanks for adding that in. I appreciate it. Cheryl, tell us a little bit about what this recruitment has looked like. Again, you know, kids right around that top fifty mark. Uh, North Carolina, you know, had an offer as of last week that they wanted to get to someone. Tell us about how that developed with TJ Power. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'll be around <laughs> that top 50 much longer. I think he's a prime candidate to move up uh, at the next ranking update at the end of the summer. Um, really, man, you know, it, it, he's another one who had really good offers. Um, I think Iowa, Virginia, Boston College were, were a few <clears throat> of the ones that he was seriously looking at. And then, you know, you play well and you start getting more and more offers. And then you have the kind of explosive weekend he had two weekends ago. And you get Kansas, UCLA, Carolina, and Duke within a few days. And so that changes the tenor of a recruitment very quickly when those four schools uh, kind of drop in. I think he's still, based upon what he told us, committed to making a decision, you know, probably towards the end of September, early October. And like I said, everyone has five new visits. The only official visits he's taken, he took one to Iowa like last fall. So October of um, 2021. And then he took one to Virginia this past, I think it was Memorial Day weekend or right after Memorial Day weekend. Um, but again, it reset. So he has five more. So conceivably, he could take another one to one of those schools if he wanted to. Uh, but I would imagine that some of the Blue Bloods will definitely get visits. I think Carolina will likely get a visit. I'd imagine Duke would as well. Um, and that he'll really look into those. And then it'll be China to figure out if he stands by kind of the schools who have been there and who identified him early. Or now that he's getting this new attention, um, does he go with the opportunity and the stage that the Blue Blood schools present? So I think that's kind of one of the decisions he has to make moving forward. And I think we'll know, you know, with probably by the middle of October, um, kind of what he's decided. Yeah, when you talk about a kid that's, that's, you know, presumably, as you mentioned, wanting to commit by 
you know, the, the latter part of September or early fall, you can pretty much tell that he's going to spend all of the month of September visiting colleges. I mean, there's really no way if he wants to go through the recruiting process, there's no way for him to be able to, to get that decision made if he wants to use all five of his visits. So it will be interesting okay. to see what he does. A, a couple of other things. Um, he does have family in North Carolina. So that helps Duke and it helps UNC. Um, he has a cousin who played baseball at Carolina uh, back in the early 2010s. Um, so he's, he's seen him play. He's been around the campus. He also plays baseball and that's something that he'll consider and really wants to do once he gets to college is play baseball as well. And then North Carolina actually watched him. We, I went back and looked at all of our live evaluation stuff over the last couple of years. And one of the eval periods in, um, 2000, in 2021, um, UNC watched him. I, I don't know if it was just for him or if it was, uh, I didn't see anybody else on the other team, but they did have at least one confirmed evaluation of him from last year. And I would imagine too that, um, you know, the second session was in, in Indianapolis and we weren't able to cover it like we wanted to. So I'd imagine they probably snuck in a few uh, looks of him there too. So this wasn't as random probably as it seemed to us because I think he's someone that they've done some background on. Yeah, I mean, it would make more sense when you can consider both power and high, right? The the staff did have some sort of, you know, prior involvement with them, regardless of, of that level of involvement. Um, that's a good point. I, you know, a lot of times it, as good as you guys are, when I say you guys, I mean, you and Sean and, and Ben and everybody else for IC about covering these guys and noting who the staff is watching. Um, when you can't get there, it kind of, kind of puts a damper on things, but, um, well, I appreciate I mean, ahead, even when, even when, when you are there, it can, uh, you know, just for, in, in Kansas city, all the coaches were, were on the floor of the arena than everybody else. This was more of an auditorium setup versus the large, well, yeah, auditorium on both levels. It was a pretty unique, unique setup. But even uh, the UNC staff was there all day Thursday and then all day Friday for the last game. Simeon Wiltshire tipped at 930. So you got to pick one one area to watch watch Wiltshire. And for instance, the UNC staff was set a little little back almost on the bench side of Wilcher's team. Mm-hmm. So you think they're watching Wilcher's team, but they're also very well positioned for the first half of uh, TJ Power. So that one was probably w- one they were they were watching without really really being able to tell unless you were on the other side not watching Wilcher. So there's a lot of a lot of different game, you know, as there are four or five games going on, they're always, you know, looking looking at other ones, just seeing seeing what's going on, which is always fascinating to kind of track and, and watch that's a good perspective because i think a lot of folks like i've never been to one of these events but i i have seen video of them and i know there's usually multiple games going on in a gym at the same time so you know coaches might be positioned in front of one court like you're saying but are also able to see another player or another players um playing on a different adjacent game um guys i want to take a i want to take a quick break before we uh before we, we do this, I do want to tease. I've got a show coming um, later this coming week. So as you're hearing this, uh, this Coast to Coast will drop on Monday. I've got another special show uh, coming out from uh, UNC basketball alum that I think you guys will want to hear. Uh, he's been up to a lot of really good things. I think it'll be fun. It'll be a great listen and some insight onto uh, next season. I don't want to totally give away the farm on that, but hopefully you guys, if you're subscribed to this, you will appreciate that. Um, it'll be a little special one-off that that will drop in your feeds later this week. Um Guys, I don't know if you know this. I, uh, I celebrated a birthday recently, and um, assuming the gifts that you guys got for me will be on the way, 
Uh, I'm not 55, Cheryl, uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you uh, overshooting that by a, a good 15, 20 years or so. Um, but it, I just celebrated a birthday and, you know, nobody knows you like your mom. Guys, what did, what did my mom get me for my birthday? Johnny t-shirt. A gift card from Johnny t-shirt. A gift card from Johnny t-shirt. Like, is there more of an all-purpose gift from the people that know you best than getting a Johnny t-shirt gift card, right? That's it. That's the answer. If you're you're indecisive, but people know that you love Johnny t-shirts merch, have them get you a gift card from Johnny t. You can use it to get whatever it is that you want. If you can't find what you want online and you're one of those people that want to go in the haberdashery and peruse the things for yourself and lay hands on textiles, you can do that at their store on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. So if you're not a, if you're one of these visual touch sensory type people that needs to just feel the garments before you purchase them, go to the store, check them out. They have great customer service. They're owned and operated by alumni, uh, huge supporters of Carolina. Uh, it's a family run business. All of the good things that we like about uh, American capitalism, that's what Johnny T-shirt is. So give them some love. They've been big supporters of Inside Carolina. Uh, and again, if you got a special day coming up, you need to get something for somebody or somebody needs to get something from you, do the gift card, Johnny T-shirt. They can take care of you. If you've listened to our Inside Carolina uh, live radio shows, you know, we give away Johnny T-shirt gift cards. And you know, that's an easy way to make friends is give them a Johnny T-shirt gift card. Uh, you'll have a huge social circle in no time. Make sure you patronize Johnny T-shirt. We appreciate them and all the support they give us. You'll want to check them out too. Take a quick break to let the guys run some national ads in here. Be right back. Talk a little bit more about the recruiting season as it spins quickly. The carousel up and down and around in a circle, circular, feeling the flow, working it. We'll be right back on the Coast to Coast podcast for InsideCarolina.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, fellas, we just did a great job of explaining. Well, I didn't do a great job. You guys did a great job. Sean Moran, Cheryl McMillan did a great job explaining the two recent 2023 offers that the North Carolina staff threw out last week. Now let's look at 2024 because there was some movement there as well. Uh, cousin Drake, Drake Powell, 6'5", uh, wing from Pittsburgh, Northwood High School, also plays for uh, the CP3, I guess 16U squad, um, but a local kid through and through. I love him because from everything I've read and seen about him, the kid is a defensive dog. Uh, what, Sean, what can you tell us about Drake Powell's game and what jumps out at, what jumps out at you about him the first time you see the kid play? Uh, w- one that he probably didn't enjoy me, me watching – the games in person because I feel like every time I was watching was was one of his sub subpar games even <laughs> uh I think it was the, the Friday he, he hit a bucket early and then was pretty much quiet the whole rest of the game I had to step out 
for about 20 minutes to take a take a call and of course he hits a, a three in overtime or the go-ahead bucket um so kind of turns out in, in overtime but uh you know he he became the most recent 2024 player to to earn an offer uh had had his ups and downs last weekend in kansas city but the unc staff was watching him and i think to your point it was more of of you know what he can become and you have a, a guy six five six six very very wiry uh i think defensively can project to to guard that that top player uh whether it's the two three even one uh still has a lot of work to do offensively but a lot of the the foundation is is there whether it's ball handling good defensive rebounder that can that can push the ball has the ability to to hit the three and i think even his last game in kansas city at three out of six but i think he definitely needs needs a little work on on the form uh to become especially to to become a consistent shooter at the at the college level but a very unselfish player a lot of the time he was uh beating kind of catching the ball, good first step, getting into the teeth of the paint, and then just firing off uh, rapid passes, whether left hand, right hand, uh, to open shooters on the perimeter, guys cutting. I w- you know, selfishly, I would have liked to see him shoot the ball just a little more, just just for my own eyes, but you can't really uh, complain when he's hitting hitting open players left and right and, and causing the defense to, to really draw in on him. So he's a guy almost... You know, you go back to to Leaky Black's class with with Kobe and and Nas, where I think he's a guy that is going to be that kind of a, almost a foundational piece. He's not going to be the top top one or two one or two guy, but if you're building building a few other guys around him that are that are pretty talented, I think he's going to be a guy that will be very consistent and and should be around a few years. But also with that athleticism has a lot of potential to keep, you know, to continue uh, improving overall. You can't win without players like that. Like you said, he may not be the, the absolute, you know, shiny object in a class, but uh, I think about just recently, you know, this team's run to the final four, how many big defensive plays got them there. And when you have a player like him, who's capable of making a big shot uh, and, and can lock down offensively, I think there's a, a lot of potential, like you just said for him. Sherell, I don't know a lot about Drake Powell other than he has an awesome last name. And, you know, we Powells are incredibly uh, just immaculate athletes. Um, <laughs> both of his parents are UNC grads, correct? Correct. So tell us a little bit about how that recruitment's coming together. Again, he's about as local as you can be without being in Orange County, North Carolina. So uh, Pittsburgh, Stones Throw Away. Tell us about how that recruitment's kind of shaping up and, and what it's looked like uh, thus far. Yeah, it's it's still early on. I think um, they are not going to rush into a decision day. Meaning his parents and uh, his brother and sister, and really his high school coach are kind of the people who are going to help him along. You know, with this process. Um, again, we can take official visits beginning in the fall, and I think he definitely will. Um, you know, since June sixteenth, I mean, he's picked up. He's another guy who's picked up just a ton of offers: uh, Florida State, Tennessee. Wake Forest, LSU, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, Miami, just to name a few of them. Um, so he's definitely someone who's ascending. And I think that's what is really to like about him is that, yeah, if you look at sat lines right now, it, it's not the it's not the best. It's not great. But you can kind of see the, the talent of, that he has flash. And in addition to the talent flashing, he also is grounded enough to do all the things that coaches love in, in winning time, whether it's deferring or 
setting a screen or you know making the extra pass and, and not going for the glory being able to play defense and move his feet fighting through screens he does all that stuff already and has it has it down usually um when there's a player like that it's because they have some kind of deficiency athletically uh, that they have to play that hard well he does that already and he has the athleticism and the wingspan and some of the skills so now it's just about building on it but he, he's someone I, I really think his his ceiling is pretty high um as he continues to work and, and develop um but because he has all that other stuff i think it's why he already has an offer even though some of the production isn't there he's shown all the things that make him valuable to a team and now it's about going and developing those individual skills when it comes to scoring and shooting and dribbling and all that stuff which he's already come a long way um just from last year ben went and saw him a couple of times um in the high school season and we just talked about man you know the the shot might be the thing that keeps him from getting a unc offer and then i watched him at uh one of the june live periods where he was going up against paul mcneil who's another big player in 2024 and Isaiah Evans, who's another big player in 2024 from the state. And he was the best of the three. And it wasn't really particularly close over that weekend. He was scoring, distributing, defending. Um, so I, it, it's always helpful for me to see them on both their high school team and also their AU team. So you can kind of understand what each one is asking them to do. And I think part of the lack of scoring or whatever it is for, for uh, Powell with CP3 is because that's not necessarily his role right now but it could be in the future. Um, so just uh, it, it's exciting to see a player whose trajectory is going up as opposed to one who's kind of leveled off. And uh, like I said, he, his ceiling is, is really, really high. That's good stuff. Uh, I really appreciate kind of you breaking down the, the mindset. I think Sean did a good job of pointing out some of his physical attributes and, and how he's seen him play. But that, that mindset piece is something a lot of people don't really get to see very often. Um, Sean... You were getting some questions on the IC premium message boards a while back, back when you were uh, rib eating in Kansas City. And some folks were kind of asking, you know, the difference in Drake Powell versus some of the other wings in that class. Do you want to kind of dig into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a fun time just uh, watching a lot of the 16U action. Uh, and, and going back to how I mentioned, it was a pretty unique setup where they, they took this former Kemper arena and basically split it into two where the, the lower bowl was, was uh, four courts of 17 and under action. And then you go up the concourse to what would have been the second level. And all of a sudden you have, I think it was eight or nine shiny new courts uh, that were all 15 and under and 16 and under action. So you could, you could kind of have your eyes on a, on a few different, few different games. And over the course of the few days was, was watching the, the wings from Powell, who didn't have an offer at the time, uh, to Jason Asamoda, who has been on the board. There were rumors that he was going to take a visit in, in June, but there's been a lot of uh, UNC discussion around him as well as some other schools, uh, whether I'd say that one's still kind of up in the air. Um, and then Isaiah Evans, another North Carolina prospect in the area, all very, very different different players. Uh, we, we talked about Powell and kind of his almost jackknife skill set. From Jason Asamoda, you have a guy who's probably 6'6", six, six, uh, easily the best three-point shooter out of out of the bunch. Uh, there are some games he didn't shoot it particularly well, but you could tell that that's his strength just from his, his release, the rotation he gets on his shot, just how comfortable he is. Uh, so he's a guy that will be able to shoot it at a high level. Pretty athletic when he when he gets in the open court, but a guy that uh, isn't really going to 
do a lot in, in isolation right now. He's he's still working on really the mid range and and kind of attacking off the dribble. But he when he does pull up, he can he has good elevation. So I'd say the best shooter and and athlete out of the bunch, but still has a ways to go to improve. Uh, right now, I think he mentioned Baylor was was out in front just in terms of how they've been recruiting him. Uh, Oregon is is after him pretty hard and. One of the Oregon assistant coaches said, "Hey, and you know, anytime I see UNC's name uh, when I'm recruiting a kid, it it makes me feel feel better because I know I'm I'm on the the right path." Uh, and then Isaiah Evans, I think the lazy comparison is is Brandon Ingram just because of that that body body type and <laughs> and just just I mean, really really skinny, really long, very likey sleepy game. I mean, they look, yeah. and they they genuinely do look alike. Like honestly, not yeah. even they do. I, I yeah. can't say that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, John. Um. So I mean, he he was a guy that Carolina was kind of watching Powell, but also watching him one of the games, and and he he took over at one point seven straight, uh, to to kind of get the get the lead, and then then hitting a hitting the three right off the bat. Uh. So he can he can hit hit the three kind of a, almost a side spin coming kind of coming out of his hand. So not the prettiest of jump shots, but a guy that can, that can get, get buckets uh, for, for a, a easy, easy choice, but also a guy that I think has a lot of potential, probably not the most still kind of a little, uh, a little slow off the dribble, but once again, given his size and length, he's usually going against a three or a four and, and he can, he can get it there. Uh, but Definitely needs needs work on his on his explosiveness on on his body, but going into his junior year, that that'll that'll come. Um, and I think really good looking for a shot, but not being not being selfish with it. And once again, he was a guy you kind of wanted to see take over and and take the reins, and and he did on a few occasions uh, when I when I got to got to watch him. So for him though, I, I could see him easily being one of a, a one and done type player, just given that, that size and length. It's also a guy you want to be careful with in terms of, uh, uh, you know, who you're putting around him in that class. Cause he does have the NBA, NBA mm-hmm. attributes that mm-hmm. can, uh, cause players to be around for, uh, much shorter than, than others. Yeah, no, I, I can read between the lines. I can pick up what you're putting down there. All right. So, as we head into this week, uh, this is when the Peach Jam starts. I think it actually starts today as we're recording this. But, um, Sherelle, I know you dig them Georgia Peaches. You're going to be down there this week. What are you expecting to see uh, when you and the general hit the road? Um, <clears throat> I mean, we're going to watch a lot of TJ Power. We're going to revisit Zayden High. Um, and then just kind of see where they go, if there's anyone else in 2023 that catches their eye. Because it, it, the situation was kind of – set up perfectly the way they had it as far as that four position moving forward mm-hmm. you know you had the player who's committed and then um their top target in 2024 jaron stevenson kind of plays mm-hmm. that same spot so you kind of had a nice through line of, of manic to potentially nance to uh particular to jackson to stevenson and so i think they have to be careful and mindful about uh offering more uh 2023 kids uh, who play mm-hmm. the four spot because how does that fit in with Stevenson? How does it fit in with potentially Dontre Styles and Puff Johnson coming back, potentially Tyler Nickel, who can play some three, four as well. Um, so they have a few players there. I'm just, I'm really curious to see um, kind of how they feel and what they say to additional players who had that, had that position. 
about how they all fit in? Is it just, hey, we think you're a basketball, which is what they told uh, TJ Power. You're, you're a basketball player. We like that you play basketball and you're good at it. And we'll figure <laughs> the rest out later. Uh, so maybe we're thinking too much about uh, positions and you know who they'll defend and if so-and-so can play together. Maybe it's just like we're going to put the five best players out there regardless of their size or their height you know, moving forward. But that's just something I think about is – um, 2023 in the four spot. And then who's going to be next in line for a 2024 offers? Uh, you know, Drake Powell just got his. Obviously, they've, they've offered a couple of national guys who, again, until they visit UNC, we're just not sure how deep, you know, UNC is into it. Um, Cam Scott, Jaron Stevenson are there, Drake Powell, James Brown. Uh, so who else is, is going to be next? Um, it seems like a wing would would be likely so is that isaiah evans or, or is it someone else so those are kind of a, a few of the storylines and one more i'm trying not to take everything from sean i'm sorry um you just have to start thinking about uh, a, a guard in 2024 i think too um just because Seth trimble to sean's point about having the requisite athleticism mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff there's n- there's no reason that he can't have a, a really good season coming off the bench behind UNC's two guards and uh, NBA GM says, man, that, that kid's got it. I'll take him in the first round. That's not that far-fetched. And so then you get into a situation where there's a potential. You have one or two guards on the roster in that 2024 class. So I uh, want to see what guards they look at um, uh, in addition to the ones they've already offered in 2024. And they, you know, there's one on the radar right now that uh, has a very uh, strong connection based on where he's playing currently to a guy that's currently on the unc roster uh not sure if that'll that'll develop or not um white plains stepping out new york oh he's on boogie mm-hmm. oh yeah sorry yeah yeah sorry yep i said i didn't uh, know if, <laughs> i know if i was just totally wrong and you were no, missing no, it or yeah, what <laughs> yeah, I, it took me a second yeah so boogie flynn is a 2024 guard i'm sure they'll watch him um this week uh like i said they already have the offers out to ian jackson and trey johnson uh, Bishop Boswell is someone we're watching as well. He's a teammate of Drake Powell, on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the CP3 16 and under team. Uh, he attends Myers Park in Charlotte, and he's, he's picked up a, a few offers and had a couple of big games that I think the UNC staff saw. So um, just, yeah, we're just monitoring. We're looking for new names, really, because we know um, the guys who, who they've been recruiting for a while. Mm-hmm. They've established this relationship. So who's going to be new? Who, who, who's something we're not expecting? Let me ask a dumb question before I kick it to Sean to, to get close to wrapping this show. Can coaches talk to players at these events? I don't know. Uh, sorry. I don't <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I thought about it. No, they cannot. Okay. Um, not, I don't know, but they're, they're not supposed to, I think the NCAA is not going to enforce it. If like Joey Powell walks by star recruit X and gives him a fist bump, they're not, they're not going to get a violation for that, but they're not supposed to have conversations or anything because, um, while it's an open evaluation period, you're not supposed to have contact in the building. That's why they always separate the um, families and the coaches and the media. They try mm-hmm. to keep all those three groups away from each other. Okay. Uh, again, I've, I've never been to any of these events, so it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around the, the do's and don'ts and the who mingles with who. But, but, but you got to get out. You got to get out to one sometime. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, I can, we, we can give you a good story about how coaches try to, uh, make sure that they're seen and make sure that the players know they're there and, and get their attention. I, I have a, a really good one later on if you want me to share that. Yeah, we, we should. We should actually, we should probably can that for a, a future show and just do a, <laughs> a best of the road stories from Sean and Sherelle. Um, 
I'd say we could invite the general, but I knew he'd never do it. Sean, what are you looking to see this week uh, at, at Peace Jam? Again, I know you guys are vets at seeing this event, but um, it's one of the few that's that's withstood the test of time. What are you hoping to see this week outside of just offers? What are you what are you expecting to to see from maybe guys that are already on the UNC radar and already have offers? Who who do you think needs to take that next big step? Well, I think one guy we haven't really touched on, Simeon Wiltshire, now the, the loan commitment in, in the class and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time watching him last week in person. And uh, we kind of touched on it on the, on the Q&A that was on Inside Carolina, but he had was actually against TJ Power and his team, not the best defensive team. And he had his best game, 25 points, a um, handful of rebounds, assists. But then there was a few other games where, uh, you know, I think one one for six or, or something to that extent. And he's a guy, I think a, maybe a, a lot is expected of him because he gives off the vibe of, man, this guy can take over a game. But mm-hmm. the one thing I saw was how unselfish he is, um, almost to a fault where you kind of want him to, similar to what I was talking about for Powell earlier, you kind of want to see him be, be a little more aggressive, especially uh, at this point in time. But he was trying to fit into a, a relatively new team that he was on. Um, I think he, he played, you could see the difference when he is in the game, if they were doing plus minus on the, on the score sheet, you'd probably see a pretty healthy uh, plus in, in his name because he, he, you know, his team had some talented guards that once they get the ball and once they start attacking, they're not looking to kick out or, or find another teammate, but Wilcher was able to, to get them the ball, move the ball, um, attack, look for the, the open player. And I think that there are definitely some things that he needs to, to work on, but I did enjoy just kind of seeing more how he, how he operates and just how unselfish he is. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in, in peach jam. Uh, if I think last year as a, as a young guy playing 17, he averaged around nine points and, and four to five assists per game. Uh, you know, can he, can he just increase the scoring load a little bit or is he content to, be that facilitator playmaker and, and kind of play, play defense. So that would be w- one part. Um, the other, a lot can happen over the course of, of a few days, especially now that 2023 is, is open again, whether it's power high or, or maybe somebody else pops on the screen. I think that'll be interesting just to see who they're watching or, or who's playing well. And then 2024, they already have a handful of offers. Uh, one of the guys, James Brown, we didn't touch on, but I really, and this I really enjoyed watching him in person. I think watching the film was a little questioning, almost his coordination and body type. But once I saw him in person, that that those questions went out the window. And really fun player player to watch. But this time last year, coming out of the uh, Peach Jam was when they they provided a few other offers uh, to some of the uh, Buzelis and and Taylor and a few other guys. So. I'm sure coming out of this weekend, there'll probably be a handful of of offers, whether it is 23 or or 24. But I mean, this is the final final live period, and whether it's setting it up for the future or or just trying to expand a little bit more for this year, it should be should be a fun fun week and and fun one to cover from a, a just a recruiting perspective. Go ahead, Shreel. I was gonna say yeah to Sean's point. The next time after the 24th, when the period ends, the next time coaches can see guys off campus or evaluate them is September 9th. And that's when the fall recruiting period starts. Mm, that's a while. Um, I do think it's uh, it's funny when you go back to think about the players that we were talking about 
that were on UNC's radar and were potential targets at this time. I think it's good perspective for our listeners and our viewers just to recognize, hey, uh, who they talk about right now for next year's class um, may or may not be on the radar. And especially when you start thinking about the 24 class, like there may be guys that you feel like are sure things for UNC and, and something materializes and goes another direction or guys that aren't even on the radio are on, even on the radar that could end up in, in UNC's lap next year at this time. So, um, Darrell, do you want to say that out loud or are you just actually just sneezing on the, on the, the keyboard there? Yeah. Just a little show outside of the show. That's, that's just, all right. <laughs> all right. We'll keep that one under wraps and maybe we can talk about that one in the future. Boys, anything else you want to touch on before y'all go eat peach ice cream all week? Sean? Uh, yeah, a, a few, few quick things. One, Sherelle mentioned kind of going back in the archives to see TJ power. And, uh, I think especially if you have the premium, uh, it's always fun to, to go back and you can almost see how recruiting classes have shaped up, uh, going back a few years to, uh, just who they were watching, say 20, 2021 and, and how that shaped up. So it's always mm-hmm. fun to just see some of the players that they're watching and, uh, offered scholarships and others that they that they didn't. So going back to the, those archives is pretty fun. And then we're talking about getting you out to uh, an EYBL at at some point. And I would rec- recommend it to to the fans of you know these these events are are pretty fun. One just to see the Carolina. I saw a lot of Carolina shirts in the stands. Uh, so one to watch Carolina players, but two just watching a lot of a lot of basketball. Uh, I think it was the second the second night I was there. And have been at you know 8 a.m. to about 11 p.m. and it's the last game, and you're trying to think, well, sh- you know, there's nobody from Carolina here, so I just go try to find some food, or do I do I stick it through? And then all of a sudden, um, all the other the three games around it end. All of a sudden, you have all the other coaches just kind of gravitate toward this one court. Not that they're recruiting people, but just to just to watch it. And this one turned out to be a fascinating game. It went into overtime, uh, ended on a game-winning three from uh, from the NBA line. Akil Watson, actually, uh, Simeon Wilcher's high school teammate. But it was really fun just watching, and especially from uh, the college coaches, there was some very my, – my one complaint about UIBL is there's way too many timeouts for the, these coaches, but they were, they were using their timeouts in overtime pretty well, drying up good plays, and it was fun watching the coaches kind of uh, – once the play was ran and, and ran successfully, watching them kind of start talking to each other about those – the X's and O's piece of it, but I, w- I would recommend, uh, you know, next year for, for fans, I can spare a weekend of uh, making a journey out to one of them. So I want to go next year just so I can watch Sean nerd out. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cheryl, anything you want to add before we get out of here, man? No, I, I was going to say, uh, this is our first one since 2019. Yeah. Uh, because 2020 was obviously the pandemic 2021. Uh, they were very selective and very aggressive in who they didn't let I get credentials. <laughs> so this is our first time in three years. And uh, so it was the first time without Roy Williams. And Ooh. if you know Roy Williams, like Peach Jam was kind of his jam. Like he loved it. And um, just it's going to be weird going in there. It, it, it's for those who don't know the building it's in, they set the temperature to like Antarctica. And basically it's super cold in there because there's so many people. And so it was always fun seeing Roy Williams sit on the sideline with a little blanket you know, watching, you know, <laughs> watching Julius Randle or Kevin Love or Derrick Rose or whoever it was over the last, you know, 20 years. So that's something they'll be missed. And then um, we, you know, we kind of have to find out where the coaches are. Some people might have another word for it, but we were very 
we're very we make sure we um know where they are let's put it that way and so it was a running joke you know me and ben and rob and, and the late jb sissel it was always uh where's roy and we'd be looking around and we go oh hospitality room so sure enough we'd look in the hospitality room and half the time he'd be in there getting that peach cobbler uh, so just little stuff like that. Um, See, y'all really want me to go now, right? <laughs> like you're talking about, you're talking about it being really, really cold inside and having peach cobbler. I mean, what are you, you're speaking to my fat man vibes right now. So I, I don't know what else, I don't know what else you need to sell me on. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for me, this is kind of the last reminder that Roy was no longer UNC's coach. Like this, man. he's not going to be a peach jam. So it's yeah. kind of weird. Or, or what if he shows up and he like has a name tag on and says like Roy Williams, or, you know, it's, it's. Hi, I'm actually I'm I'm Coy Williams. I'm I'm Roy's dadgum brother. Uh, boys, I, mean, I appreciate. What, so, one more, sorry, one more final thing. Uh, to to Sherelle's point, we we've always talked about you know how is UNC on the recruiting trail, and it was weird with no Roy Williams, no Coach K, um, no Jay Wright. You know, I I don't think Bill Self showed up to this one. He had his assistants, but when when Hebert was there, I mean he he walks in and and there's definitely kind of a an aura about him and, and a presence about the UNC staff, which I think was a general question this time last year of, of how is, how was that going to be? And kind of seeing it in person, uh, you know, people's heads definitely turn when, when they're walking, walking by the, the different courts. Mm. Boys, I appreciate it as always. Uh, Sherelle, I want to give you uh, huge propers for all the, the write-ups you've done in the past week or so. Uh, I know both of you guys have been extremely busy. Sherelle with writing, Sean with eating. Um, but I also want to give a, also want to give a big shout out to, uh, Jason Staples is doing, doing all his, uh, football previews for position players. So if, if you're listening to this show and you're, you know, you're also a UNC football fan, go read those, man. Doc Staples puts a ton of work into those. He does a great job in just breaking down, uh, talent, instinct, skill level, all the things that you need at these various positions for players that are on UNC's too deep. And it's just been really fascinating to read. Uh, I've always said that, you know, I get smarter just by reading anything that Staples writes uh, because he's just he, he's he's that far into it. So I want to give him a shout out. Uh, and that's hopefully what you guys have come to expect from Inside Carolina. Hopefully this show is meeting what you've come to expect from Inside Carolina. Hope that you will take a second and rate and review us. Uh, that's good. Good feedback for us. And it's also really good for our uh, how we pop up in, in searches and all that good stuff. But that's all we got for this week. I uh, appreciate Sean Moran and Sheryl McMillan joining us. In midst of all their travels, uh, Sean, I expect I will see some some amazing uh, Instagram photos from you very soon. Uh, Shrell, safe travels. Uh, try to keep uh, the general out of trouble. And boys, uh, for Sean Moran, for Shrell McMillan, for Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring, for John Siegley for producing, I'm just Joey Powell. Appreciate all of you listening. We'll talk to you next time on InsideCarolina.com's Coast to Coast podcast. Late.